It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Martin Reed, thank you for joining me in the studio today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's good to see your face in a professional setting. Can I call you Marty? You can call me whatever you like. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Well, so Marty here, he's co-founder of Curian, and we seem to have an issue trying to figure out how to buy vape pens. And this man wrote a white paper on extraction. So I thought he would help us extract the truth and help us figure out how to be better shoppers and have confidence around vaping. So let's start out. I want you to tell us, what is your relationship with cannabis? Like, how did you get started and why are you our expert here today? Sure. So my relationship with cannabis started back in the mid-90s uh, when I was a young high school student here <laughs> in the Bay Area and uh, was doing some small level distribution and was an early victim of the drug war. Uh, I was charged with a felony for uh, possession, possession with intent to distribute and had to do a court-ordered rehab program and uh, then took many years off from the industry for, <laughs> for lots of reasons until it became legal recently. And then I jumped back in, uh, starting with some cultivation up in the Emerald Triangle uh, and then helped grow an ethanol extraction hardware company in Santa Rosa. Uh, and just to give you a sense of the growth that this segment of the industry is seeing, uh, my co-founder and I uh, at this company took it from a small custom fab shop uh, producing unreliably one unit per month to about 25 units per month uh, and revenues in 2017 of 200,000 uh, to last year they did 14 million. 
Wow. Uh, so tremendous growth. And that really speaks to what's happening in the industry around the area of concentrates. Yeah, totally. So why don't we dive in a little bit and you tell us all the different varieties like concentrates really is a pretty broad category. So how do we kind of segment that out? Yeah. So at its very simplest, a concentration is taking the cannabinoids from the plant uh, into a greater uh, greater concentration than you would find it on the plant. And so that could be as simple as uh, taking the plant and rubbing it between your hands to get the resins on your hand, and then you rub your hands together, and then you have hash. That was how it was originally done back in the day. Very, very messy, sticky situation very messy there. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and this is... Uh, this is what the trimigrants would call finger hash. So as they're up in the Emerald Triangle, uh, spending all day trimming flour, uh, they would get hash all over their fingers and scissors, and then they would rub it into balls, and then they had uh, hash to smoke to keep them going. Yeah, I mean, it's like the bonus. You know, you do all that work all day, and then whatever's left on your hands, you can take home with you, right? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was allergic to cannabis. Well, I still am allergic to cannabis. But when I was trimming, when I first moved to Healdsburg, I had to wear gloves, but I didn't realize I was allergic to it until I was trimming. And then, you know, you have an itch on your face. And then all of a sudden, my face was broken out. And so I had to wear the really tall kitchen gloves when I was trimming. So that's I, a great look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I didn't get to roll it all up and smoke it later. Damn it. Mm. Okay, I always digress. Keep going, keep going. So the extraction industry has... Oh, no, no, no. Time out, time out. No, I wanted to go back. Okay. So that's... You're, so we were talking about the different kinds of concentrates. Yeah. So that's like from the most basic form. Then what's yeah. our next? How do we... Sure. So the most basic would be your finger hash. Mm -hmm. uh, the Or just shaking the plant up against a screen for all the trichomes to fall off. Uh, and then you have keef. Uh, that's another form of concentrate. One of my favorite toppers. Yeah. Favorite bowl toppers. And it's gotten quite complex of late. So there are products called sauce or live resin, uh, where the plant is fresh frozen uh, and then extracted in that state, uh, often using hydrocarbons like butane or propane. So pretty complex uh, chemical processes uh, using very high quality starting material. Uh, and this is a very terpene rich uh, concentrate that smells amazing and has uh, a connoisseur's, uh, you know, high that a lot of people seek. So is that the cream of the crop, so to speak, of concentrates? Yes, that okay. would be the cream of the crop, the stuff that, uh, you know, the people are sharing at the Emerald Cup uh, in Santa Rosa. This is the stuff that the the OGs are are sharing amongst themselves. This is not the stuff that, that uh, your soccer moms are are uh, sneaking after they drop the kids off at school. Got it. Copy that. <laughs> What's next? What's the other kind? Because I can just tell you what I want to talk about. Yeah. So maybe... But I know you have an agenda. I do have my own agenda here. So maybe <laughs> maybe we'll talk about uh, just sort of at a high level what's happened in the industry the past few years. Uh, so the market has largely switched. It was almost entirely flour uh, as the primary product that was being... Uh, sold and consumed. Uh, this is, you know, your joints, your buds. Um, and now it is almost entirely concentrates, or at least more than half. Uh, and these are your vape pens, these are your topicals, your edibles. And the reason people like these product forms so much is that they're novel, they're convenient, they're discreet. 
and so the the market is uh, is extracting as much as possible. Uh, it's shelf stable. It's much easier to distribute, and there are a couple different product forms that come from extraction. Mm-hmm. And the first is your full spectrum oil. And so this has all of the cannabinoids present in the same ratio as the whole plant. Uh, some people might refer to this as a Rick Simpson oil. Uh, it's a little bit different, but similar. Um, and a lot of people like this because they feel like we can improve upon what nature has done. So let's Let's just keep it the way it was. Totally. I concur. And we were actually talking about that on uh, Podcast 93 with Brad Bogus of Confident Cannabis. When you look at it in the grand scheme of things, having that full spectrum of terpenes and cannabinoids is always going to be your best bet if you're looking at things from a wellness perspective. We have yet to improve upon anything nature has done. So why would we do it with cannabis? I agree. I concur. Uh, however, some people like to refine it a little bit further into what's called distillate. Uh, and this would be certain compounds that are uh, being targeted, for example, CBD or THC. Uh, and there would be other cannabinoids present and, and sometimes some plant material. So it would look fairly clear. This would not be as dark. Uh, and this often goes into uh, vape pens. Uh, And then you can further refine it from there into isolate. And this is your 99% plus pure uh, CBD or THC compounds. Uh, And that would typically go into uh, pills or edibles. Right on, right on. Yeah, Yeah, because there's a lot of times where I get questions from people that are shopping and they do, they see a a spectrum of colors and they're like, okay, well, what oil do I want? The stuff that's really clear or the stuff that looks really dark? I mean, everybody seems to have their own idea of what's best, which, you know, which one is the best. And I, I feel like that's like, okay, are we talking it's best because of flavor or are we talking about the way it makes you feel? So, from the extraction process, how can you can does the color look different if it's like CO two extracted versus butane extraction? Like, how do we tell those apart? Yeah, it would be very challenging for the average consumer to tell the way that uh, the extract was made just based upon the color. So the industry used to rely heavily upon uh, pressure based systems like hydrocarbon. So these are butane and propane systems. Uh, they make a great product. But they have some downsides in that if done uh, improperly, they can be quite dangerous. And so you can search YouTube for explosions in extraction labs and see what happens when uh, safety protocols are not followed. Uh, CO2 then came on the scene after that. This is another uh, pressure-based system. And the challenges with the pressure-based systems is that they're a little bit less safe uh, and they often have a much higher capital expense. Uh, so it's more expensive to get started and they don't process as high of, their, their throughput is is smaller. Because the process takes longer. I've never right. seen the butane propane extraction. I have been to a CO2 extraction lab and there are a lot of steps. Right. And it do, it seems like it's running through molasses or something. I mean, it is just like such a Yeah, it takes a eight hours, for example, with CO2. So is is CO2 extracted um, product then, if I'm buying it at the store, is it more expensive? So I wouldn't say that there is a hard and fast rule that one is going to be more expensive than the other. The industry is trying to process as much as possible because demand is outpacing supply. 
uh, especially with CBD, which is this breakout superstar compound that nobody expected a couple years ago. Uh, and this is not psychoactive. And so it doesn't have the same stigma that is attached to THC. Because um, God forbid you have a good time. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we saw this with an early strain called Charlotte's Web that reduces seizures in kids. Uh, CBD has anti-inflammatory effects. It's an anxiolytic. Uh, it helps reduce pain. So it has all these amazing properties. Uh, and it's going into everything from lattes to... Uh, to donuts, to, to donuts, to pet foods. So I uh, know. I feel like CBD's kind of jumped the shark. Well, I think the people in the CBD business have jumped the shark, and Agreed. we're starting to like lose the value of the cannabinoid because it's just become more novel. And people think they can have a CBD burger and they're all of a sudden healthy. No, we're talking about you need to like microdoses consistently on a daily basis. And like, are you referring to Carl's Jr. putting CBD in their burger in Colorado on 420? Yes. Right. And um, Blue Star Donuts in um, Portland, they have a CBD donut. They d now do. When I was in Portland, I also had a beer at, I don't know which pub I was at. But they do CBD toppers now mm. in the beer. And so I'm like, okay, well, what CBD is it? Like, right. do you have a COA I can check out? And they're like, uh, no, I don't know. They didn't have a COA for you? They, Shocker. Yeah. Well, the girl went back and finally found a bottle and brought the bottle out to me. And then I looked it up. Yeah. But anyway, so it is. I mean, it's just really going to be in people's face more now than ever and and if you don't know any better, then you're just like, oh, it's CBD. Everybody is talking about how healthy it is. And you just take yeah. whatever it is. I've even seen some products in the store recently where they say that it has hemp, but it doesn't actually have CBD. And so buyer oh, yeah, beware. Because it's hemp seed oil. That's yeah, right. we did an episode of that on skincare and purchasing CBD. So if you need to look that up, go back and give it a listen. Will do. You know, you always got to be dropping hints to people, you That's know? right. Always be closing. That's right. <laughs> I want to use your expertise to help me with my shopping experience sure. and to help the listeners with their shopping experience. So we kind of talked about color a little bit, but really we need to just, you know, read about how was it extracted. Do they have to include that information now on the packaging? Uh, the I do not believe method? that uh, it's regulated that that products say the method of extraction used. Sometimes people will tout uh, that, you know, it was CO2 or uh, butane or ethanol, but that's, that's rare. I think maybe there's just because of the stigma, I've always thought, oh, well, I need the CO2 extracted stuff. So I want you to explain the process of the butane or propane extraction and tell me the benefits of it and why it's good. Sure. I mean, you can do any of the extraction methods well or poorly. So I don't think it's uh, fair to say, you know, across the board, all butane products are better or all ethanol products are safer, et cetera. Uh, this is such a new industry in that it's been occurring for a really long time in the black market uh, where keeping uh, a lab notebook was, you know, potential evidence uh, to what we see today where, you know, every gram has to be accounted for. And so there's been this wholesale switch uh, and there's very little documentation as to how these extraction labs are put together. 
and certainly not best practices for increasing your overall equipment effectiveness and uh, you know GMP and all of the things that we see in mature industries. Uh, and so it's still a little bit of the wild west, uh, and we're seeing people come with dollar signs in their eyes. Uh, you know, hey, I've been a real estate agent and I just heard about CBD on Nightline and I want to make some money. So how do I do this? And it's like, okay, well, first start with the 27 page white paper that I co-wrote with Photon Noir. Where can people find that, by the way? You can get that at curians.com. C-U-R-I-A-N-S.com. All right. Um, and that will give you a pretty good understanding of where the industry is and what you need to uh, make concentrates using ethanol and why the industry is largely switching to ethanol-based extraction. So can you give me the Cliffs Notes? Yeah, the, the <laughs> TLDR, if you will, <laughs> is you that ethanol is used in lots of other industries. So it's a known substance to fire marshals, which is a great thing. They're familiar with it. It's not nearly as volatile as hydrocarbons. Uh, it's not pressure-based. Uh, it's much less expensive to get started with ethanol, and you can process much higher amounts of biomass. Uh, and so this is perfect for CBD because everybody's trying to process as much CBD as they can because there's so much demand. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the way it works is uh, you wash your cannabis in ethanol. And most people will chill the ethanol down to cryo temperatures. So they were talking like negative 60, negative 70 Celsius, uh, which makes the ethanol highly selective. And it only pulls out the compounds that you want, as opposed to the fats and waxes and chlorophylls, which are things you would have to then remove in your end product. Uh, so you wash your plant material, and then you want to get this solvent off of the plant material. And the best tool for doing that is a centrifuge. Uh, and this is the first product that we brought to market, the ACE30. Uh, this is a centrifuge that serves as a washing machine. You put your plant material into the basket. Uh, you add your cold ethanol. You agitate both directions, just like a washing machine. This washes the oils off the plant. You then drain the ethanol out. You spin up the centrifuge. Ours spins faster than any other centrifuge on the wow. market, which increases your <laughs> yield, decreases your solvent loss, and decreases your operating expenses. So that's part of the reason people are so excited about what we're building. I have uh, a feeling you're in charge of sales. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then once you have your cannabinoid-laden ethanol tincture, uh, you would evaporate off the solvent, and that would give you clean ethanol that you could use uh, to start the process again. How and long does that take? It depends what you're using to evaporate. Uh, most people are using falling film evaporators, uh, and those will do anywhere from 15 to 50 to we're seeing uh, units come on the market that will recover a thousand gallons of solvent per hour. Wow. Um, so the industry is evolving incredibly fast. And part of what these entrepreneurs are uh, afraid of is hardware obsolescence. So they're worried about plunking down upwards of a million dollars on an extraction lab. And then six, nine months down the road, the industry's gone a different direction and they're stuck with some really expensive lab art. Totally, totally. Yeah. I have the same but different problems with things like, oh, this is the best gimbal. And then two weeks later, there's like a gimbal that fits in your pocket. And you're like, totally. I spend all weekend building out my MySpace profile and then <laughs> I don't have any friends but Tom. So I feel you. Where are you in our process? I keep interrupting you and I'm really sorry no, about that. No, this is how it goes. This is ping pong. Back and forth. <laughs>
All right. So now the we've evaporated. We've evaporated off the ethanol. Uh-huh. And that gives you your clean ethanol to restart the process. And it leaves you with your full spectrum uh, crude oil. Although it's not very crude at this point. It's actually a pretty nice polished oil. Uh, and that's great. You can use that in edibles. You can smoke that or vape it. Uh, you can put that into topicals and a lot of people are doing that. And that's the product form that, that I tend to recommend, Mm -hmm. uh, for the reasons we discussed nature got it right. The first time it's unlikely that we're going to do it better. Got it. But there are the people then at that point, will start stripping that oil apart into its component pieces. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. So a lot of people will then process further into distillate. Uh, Maybe they want to isolate for CBD. Uh, The market stipulates that uh, CBD products have to contain less than 0.3% THC in order to be sold. And that's sort of an arbitrary number, but it's generally agreed upon that at that level, uh, it is not psychoactive and you will not get high. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. Okay. I appreciate that. And I also heard you say in there that you then can just reuse the ethanol again for right, right on. So Round then we go. Right. It's so then you, you were talking about people, though, that are getting into the business, them not wanting to buy equipment that is an obsolete in nine months. I'm assuming that means Curian has come up with something to solve that problem. So glad you asked. Okay. We are absolutely working on that. And uh, over the past 18 months, I've spoken with probably 600 extraction labs uh, around the US and around the world. Uh, And I'm hearing that they're terrified of hardware obsolescence, uh, that they don't want to become experts in extraction labs and they don't want to, uh, you know, do a bunch of research on Instagram to find out what the industry is, is using and then try to MacGyver together a lab. Yeah. Uh, this is an expensive process, uh, that takes a lot of time and is prone to all sorts of error. Uh, and so they would rather outsource that to experts like the Curian team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I like to say that 20 years ago, if you were building a website, uh, you had to build out your own server room to host the website. And now nobody would dream of doing that when they're launching a website. They would outsource to uh, a company like Amazon Web Services to host their site. And it's more affordable, it's more reliable, and it's infinitely more scalable. And so that's the thesis we have is that the same will apply with extraction labs is they'll want to de-risk that part of their business by working with Curian. Totally. So another totally off the subject, but I didn't even know that Amazon had those sorts of web services, which... That's like one of their biggest growing, fastest growing revenue sources. Good Lord. They just own everything. Bezos is taking over the world. He is. I hope he's following the light, not the darkness. I hope he follows the lead of his <laughs> ex-wife Mackenzie and donates half of his wealth because owning over $100 billion is insanity. It is. That is pretty crazy. We'll have to get high in a minute and think about what we would do if we had that much money. Done. Okay. I, I didn't have lunch. I drank some shitty shake that had, I really feel the energy of the Moringa leaves. Yeah, I, mean, I had a Bloody Mary for lunch. <laughs> But seriously, this stuff is potent. All right. I'm feeling it. I know. I'm not casually baked, but I'm about to be. So you can jump in anytime you want. Let's I'm gonna get this finish, party started. I'm going to finish this bowl up, you know, because it's rude to offer that to a guest. And then you can choose. You can pick your poison. Here, I'll give you some options. All right. Just smell them. Tell me what smells good, feels good. I'll describe what's happening since 
our listeners can't see, but well, Joanna I'll... has opened Pandora's box here <laughs> and is pulling out just a treasure trove of cannabis products. Here's some. You might have got Here's... Willie's Reserve. We've got some Blessed Coast Farm. We've got your blueberry muffin. Here's some Cody Blue from Alpenglow Farms. This is some Doc OG from Island Mountain Organics. I got a lot of friends. If I could go back and tell my high school self that this is what my life was going to look like, I would have just been filled with hope <laughs> at a very young age. <laughs> you would have missed all those angsty years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I I feel you. Although I kind of thought I was going to be Barbara Walters. So, and in mm, a way you are. Ish. Ish. Mm. So do you know anything about the the different styles of devices? Like there's so many, like, you know, Hanu Stone is one of my favorite new ones that have come Ooh, out. I'm and they familiar. and they have, you know, this new pod system. And then, you know, you've got the typical threaded, you know, vape cartridge. And do any does it matter? Does that shit matter? You know, it's totally up to your preference. Uh, That's just a user experience thing. Absolutely. Uh, and there's some really cool products hitting the market. I'll give a shout out to my friends at Bello, B-E-L-L-O. Uh, they have this really cool vaporizer where uh, you have a, a glass and you press it down on the base and it, it blows vaporized cannabis into the glass and then it just sort of like resides on the bottom and then you can sip it out of the glass and pass it around. So it's really social and it's a really cool experience. Oh, I want in on that. Yeah. Tell them to give me a call. Will do. All right. So what'd you pick? Oh, my goodness. I mean, did so you smell I them? I tend to go for, you know, a hybrid. Uh, well, anything too sativa is going to have me uh, a little too uppity. What I want you to do is to just let your nose decide. Mm. Don't Kong read. Don't, really good. don't read the label. Just let your nose decide. Follow your nose. Yes. I'm teaching the listeners that we we just had a lesson on following our nose and I've often thought that a next iteration of dating would be following your nose where you smell <laughs> someone's pheromones <laughs> and then you decide who you want to date. How do we package those? I don't know. There's probably a reason this idea hasn't caught on yet. Or or maybe you it's like the um speed dating and you just have to get into a like a telephone size booth with another person and just mm. smell each other. <laughs> yeah, maybe everyone works out in a shirt and then they pass the shirts around in sort of like a blind smell test. There you uh, go. And you have to choose your date based on the smell of their sweaty gym shirt. Because supposedly uh, you are likely to be attracted to the pheromones of someone who is genetically different from you. Thank God. Right. Yeah. That may not apply in the South. <laughs> Edit that part out. We've got lots of customers in the South. We're keeping it in. <laughs> We're keeping it in. Hell, I'm from Texas. I'm not offended. Oof. That smells too strong for me. I'm a lightweight. So what you're smelling is the best cannabis in the world out of those jars right there. I'm not kidding you. I just, believe it. An expert said that. Don't be thrown off by terpenes. It's the THC that's going to get you high, not those terps. So I've heard it described that the THC is the bus and the terpenes are the bus driver. Uh, and so I want to make sure I have the right driver as I uh, embark on this magical voyage here. I don't know. I think... 
I would call the THC, <laughs> I think THC is the entertainment system. And what are the terpenes? The CBD is the bus driver. <laughs> I'm very confused by this <laughs> well, analogy if ta- now. Well, if we're talking about like which cannabinoid does what, yeah. like, so when I just So describe, what are the wheels on the bus? Well, I don't know. Maybe those are the terpenes. Ooh. Because the way I'd normally describe it to people is... I think I've chosen. Okay. Our endocannabinoid system, we think about it's just like a bunch of buckets. And the THC goes along and, and all the cannabinoids are filling up the buckets. Yes. But then when those buckets get full, they just start spilling over. Like you can't get higher. And so CBD is the scrubbing bubbles. And so they come in and they empty out all the buckets and Mm. they wash the buckets and they recalibrate everything. And so when you are trying, like if you have too much THC, I've got a CBD joint in here that will bring you right down and everything will be fine. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. I'll let you know how my buckets feel in about 10 minutes. Yeah. And I'll be trying to come up with a better bus analogy on it. (laughs) All right. You get back to me on that. So I have selected Kong. This is from Meraki Gardens. Where's Meraki Gardens? What are they all about? They are in Oregon. And I don't know what they're all about, but I did appreciate their flower enough that I bought it and brought it home with me. Check out the cola on that lady. She's a beaut. She is a beaut. All right. Good choice. Open your hand up. Well, here's your grinder. I'm going to put you to work. What do you want me to grind this into? What do you mean grind it into? Oh, it just catches it there. Yeah, it catches it. You got some cool technology. I'm, I don't know about what all the, the cool kids are using these days. Well, ask me and I'll tell you. I'll show you. Here you are. You have a show and tell right here in front of you. With everything that you know about cannabis besides like your just personal experience. So we have our anecdotal evidence and and all of that stuff is on one side. Then you have your expertise in the science side of cannabis and extraction. So based on everything you know, if you're talking to somebody that's new to cannabis and they don't want to smoke flour, yeah. it's just not an option for them because they yeah. are that soccer mom that's got three kids in the car and they do just want to take a couple of hits off their vape pen while the kids are at soccer practice. It's sure. not a big fucking deal. But like, what advice do you give them when they go in to go shopping? Like, it is overwhelming when somebody walks in for the first time. They don't know what they want to get. So based on you being in the industry, what would be your recommendation of for somebody who's just a casual user? Yeah, I totally agree. Walking into a dispensary can be a very overwhelming experience. Uh, and you're reliant upon the bud tender to steer you in the right direction. And that may or may not happen. Uh, my money's on, they're really high and they're pointing you in the direction of whatever they like, uh, which may not be a good fit for you. So I would start with a vape pen. Uh, that seems to be uh, sort of an easy way to enter uh, into cannabis. It's not going to get you too high. You can start with a, a hit. It's pretty discreet. It's not very odorous. And... I would start with a lower THC, higher CBD product. Uh, That's going to prevent you from getting too high, perhaps from getting anxious. Okay, so I can give somebody advice on how to purchase flour where it'll be their nice little casually baked sweet spot Mm because it's like, you know, we want something 12 to 16, 17% THC. 
what does that THC concentration number look like on a vape pen for somebody who's wanting to get something that is a lower dose concentrate? Yeah, so you're likely to see THC in the 60 to 80% range. Okay. Uh, and and CBD could be anywhere from zero uh, up to the same numbers. Uh, so try and find something with a higher CBD. That's going to be a little bit more gentle. I, I don't smoke a CBD vape pen. So what are some of the um, levels of CBD in the vape pens that are you're seeing out there on the market right now? That's a great question. You don't do it? You don't smoke them either? I mean, uh, you don't have to. You know, I'm a pretty casual user. I don't have any vape pens. Uh, and this is very strategic on my part. I actually have no paraphernalia at home. And yet being in the industry, it still somehow finds its way into my life. Right, right. Well, hell, every time I come over with the stash bag, you're in trouble, Oh, yes, I, guess, I forgot. Right? You're the one bringing it. <laughs> so, so are you not supposed to have it anything around you at all? I mean, are you considered a felon? No, no. So this was when I was uh, under 18. Okay, because uh, some of my farmer friends, they have this right. situation. Like yeah. they can't have a gun or, you know, right. things like that. So thankfully, uh, this was before I turned 18. It was later reduced to a misdemeanor uh, because of good behavior, uh, and then it was expunged from my record. So oh, okay. I am clean as a whistle. Well, then why are you so paranoid about having shit in your house? Oh, no, it's just to keep me from being a more regular user. Oh, because you're not as disciplined as someone like it's me. It's the same reason I don't keep a pint of vodka <laughs> under my pillow. It's just... You know, it keeps me on the straight and narrow, more or less. Fair enough, fair enough. You've got to be, you know, you're an entrepreneur. You're working seven days a week, as well, six. I do always keep my shower stocked with beers, though. That's just how I roll. <laughs> this thing's going off the rails, and you haven't even taken a hit All right, let's that get this yet. party started. Here you go. Well, we use Hempwick here in Casually Baked Studios. So Brad Bogus yesterday... When he was in here, um, he was saying that on the whole, Oregon cannabis is the best in the world. And I'd heard people from Oregon say that before, but to hear an uninvolved third party whose job it is to go around and try cannabis, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm listening. So to be fair, you ask a stoner a question and you're going to get a half dozen different answers. I think everybody claims that their terroir is the best. Yes, that's what I'm saying, but he's not from anybody's terroir. All right, so he's an so that's just like observer. his opinion, man. Yeah, well, no shit. I mean, it's all every all of our opinion. I think you're gonna hear a strong argument from Emerald Triangle growers that they have perfected the art of cannabis. They have been doing it the longest, uh, and having been one myself, I'm gonna go ahead and say that Humboldt and Mendocino and Trinity probably take the cake. Not oh. to say I don't love Oregon. I got lots of friends up there. I've got business partners up there. Uh, and they surely know how to grow weed. They're sitting on about a million pounds of surplus right now. Uh, and I'm sure it's all really good. <laughs> yeah, but we, we discussed all this yesterday. So I love that you are bringing your opinion to the table because I ended up having a few of the same conversations with him. And we narrowed it down to like the Pacific Northwest, because all of that really is kind of a, a similar climate and area. So we're like, okay, yeah, Oregon, Emerald Triangle, 
you all are in it to win it together. Okay. I'm all about inclusivity. <laughs> Let's pull Oregon and Washington and British Columbia in the mix. All right. But what did what inspired you to become a entrepreneur after you got into so much trouble? I mean, that would have scared my face off when I was a kid. Right. And then to decide, like, I'm going all in because you were an entrepreneur before this, but just not in the cannabis space, right? True. So I I took a couple decades off after that incident. Uh, and I decided to jump back in uh, only after it was legalized here in California. And I have all the respect for the people that have done this illegally for decades and generations that have paved the way for where we are now. Um, and and very grateful that entrepreneurs like myself are able to do this uh, without fear of a federal raid and doing prison time and losing all my assets. Uh, I mean, that was very much the reality. And that is a fear-based reality for for generations. And that's what these people faced in Southern Oregon in the Emerald Triangle. Yeah. Uh, and so we we owe them a lot of respect. Some of those farmers, like, you know, Johnny Casali at Huckleberry Hill Farms, he's, I mean, the man's got PTSD. He's like, I don't know that that still might not happen to me. Right. Yeah. You know, and so there had there's a level of ballsiness, but hope. You're doing this because you believe that, like, we are going to continue to progress. Absolutely. And that, that Absolutely. people are going to get their heads out of their asses and it yes. is going to be okay. It will be decriminalized. The fact that cannabis is a Schedule One drug is absurd and people know it. And an overwhelming majority of the American population wants to see cannabis legalized. Uh, and we have some amazing statistics to throw around, like in states where medical marijuana is legalized, we see a decrease in opioid-related deaths. That's a huge epidemic sweeping across the nation. And if we can stem that with cannabis, uh, why the hell not? Preach. Amen. We took a tangent. Yes. So back to you becoming a entrepreneur. How did you transition into starting Curian? Yeah. So I had spoken with a lot of extraction labs and they were all telling me that they wanted more than just the one piece of, of hardware that uh, I was selling with this company at the time. Um, and, you know, they wanted all of the things that you would expect from a professional company, like great customer service. They wanted financing terms. They wanted SOPs for how to run the system. They wanted specs that are believable. Um, and you know, they wanted a relationship where after they plunked down a bunch of money on a piece of hardware, uh, the company didn't just wish them good luck and hope to never hear from them again. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so they want a partner that they can trust and rely on, uh, because the industry is becoming more and more competitive every day. Uh, and so in order to be sustainable long-term, uh, you're going to have to run a tight ship. Uh, mm -hmm. and that oftentimes involves working, uh, with you know strategic partners that can significantly de-risk a crucial component of your business, like your extraction lab. And so you work with cannabis, but this also works with hemp, right? So if there's somebody listening that it wants to do their own extraction and create hemp-based CBD products and things like that, this is like one-stop shopping for extraction is what I'm hearing. Is that, I mean... That's it. Yeah. Okay. It's a turnkey lab. And that's what we're working on. So we're working with beta customers to develop that now. Uh, and so if you're thinking about putting together an extraction lab, our co-founder, uh, Dylan Bosia, aka Photon Noir, has 25 plus years of botanical extraction, and he is the expert in the industry. 
uh, and you have direct access to him and really uh, brilliant technical minds that will help ensure that your extraction lab is maximally efficient. Yeah, you do have a pretty rock star team. It's a great team. I feel very fortunate to be working with with such pros. So if people want to do their homework on on Curian and uh, Photon Noir, like what are, how do we get in touch with you? Where, where should they look? You can check us out at curians.com. And Curian is a nod to Marie Curie, the first person and only woman to win the Nobel Prize twice and the only person to win the Nobel Prize in two different scientific fields, and that's physics and chemistry. Well, who was the smart one that came up with that? Uh, That'd be your boy, Luke. (laughs) Well, way to go, Luke. All right, so Curians.com, they can find the white paper on extraction that you wrote and um, learn more about the the systems and what you guys are doing. They can sign up for the beta program, all that good stuff. Yeah, get in touch with us. Uh, we love to chat and find out what you're doing and offer as much advice as we can. Uh, this is a long and arduous and oftentimes confusing experience for a lot of people. Uh, there's not a lot of documentation online. You know, people are learning from Instagram. They're learning from a really popular industry forum called Future 4200. Uh, and then they're attempting to put this together themselves. But it doesn't have to be that way. We are here to help. So reach out at curians.com and we'd love to chat with you. And our co-founder is Dylan, a.k.a. Photon underscore Noir on Instagram. And he just drops all sorts of science. So you're going to want to follow him there. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thanks for coming and hanging out with me and helping us demystify the um, concentrate world. What a pleasure. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me in. Really excited to be here, be casually baked with you. (laughs) Well, we're about to get a little bit more casually baked. Nothing casual about it at this point. (laughs) Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.